Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're in the home stretch of the Sunbelt offseason. We're within a week's time of the opening kickoff to the Sunbelt season in Atlanta on October 31st when Georgia State faces Rhode Island. We'll get to today's episode in a moment, but before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last, the 11th in our season preview series. We spoke with ULM head coach Terry Bowden about the upcoming season for the ULM Warhawks. If you haven't listened to it or any of our over eight hours of season preview episodes, trust us, it's well worth the time. Today on episode 107 of the show, we're excited to continue our season preview series, talking the Georgia State Panthers. Head coach Sean Elliott's going to join us shortly. Caden, after appearing in three consecutive bowl games, the Panthers failed to do that last season, going just four and eight. This Georgia State team might have been affected by the new additions to the league the most. Uh, they put together some strong showings, including wins over two bowl teams in Georgia Southern and Southern Miss, Caden, but you lose three straight at the end of the year to ULM, JMU, and Marshall by just a combined 10 points. How confident are you that this Georgia State team can get back to being in bowl contention when we look at this season? I'm pretty confident in Nanoa, and we talk, we'll talk more about the schedule when we get to that point. But I think when you look at the tradition of this team, they usually take care of business and win the games they're supposed to, and they kind of didn't do that at times last year, and I felt like they lost in bunches, and it felt like it was almost contagious. You mentioned those three losses to end the season, and they had four losses to start the season. So I just felt like it was more of a neck-up issue for this team, and when we talk more about their personnel and what they're bringing back heading into this season, I have a lot of confidence they can revert back to their older ways when they were making bowl games and they were competing at a high level, like they were at the end of season where they just weren't quite able to get over the hump and quite beat those teams. So I think they have a lot of the same personnel, a lot of the same mentality going into this season that they might have missed last season that was back to their old, more winning ways. But I'm pretty confident looking at their schedule and looking at what they have this year that they're going to be able to get back to that bowl game and get back to that level they were at in previous years. Well, as promised, we're talking Georgia State. Sean Elliott is in the house. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Elliott. Well, we are really excited to have Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott on the podcast for the first time. Sean, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, we just uh, just got off the field. It was a hot one today, and just walked in here, got out of the shower, and just sat down, put my shoes on still. Well, there we go. Well, let's jump right into this interview. I know you got a tight schedule today. Uh, you know, talking about summer, you and your staff, you guys were, you know, running camps, you're recruiting. Uh, you know, ultimately, there was probably some downtime that you took as well. How did you use your downtime this summer? Well, yeah, we do. We take our downtime. I mean, uh, I think it's important for coaches because so much time spent up here during the season. And especially in recruiting through May and then in the first part of June. But we all take our time. Uh, for me personally, I spend my time either uh, at the beach or on a lake, uh, usually in a boat and uh, usually just relaxing, listening to music. And that's how I spend my free time. I'm uh, either a pool, beach or lake. Always good being by the water in the summer. Coach, really appreciate you joining us on the show. This team went to three straight bowl games from 2019 to 21, but unfortunately finished four and eight last season and missed out on that bowl game this offseason. What do you think the team's mindset has been and where has your focus been as y'all prepare for which y'all prepare to be in a bounce back season? Well, I think our, our mindset is, um, you know, we, we put ourselves through some hard situations, some situations that uh, we had to learn to overcome a year ago. 
uh, you know, we were in positions to win, you know, six out of those seven losses right there and uh, couldn't get over the hump, had leads in the second half and basically every single one of those games. And uh, for whatever reason, one thing led to us not being able to finish. And uh, uh, But we, we talked, <clears throat> excuse me, talked all offseason about keeping our heads up, moving forward, uh, not letting adversity take effect on our entire football team and pushing through to the next play. So that's where our mindset is. Uh, we've, we've done a really nice job through camp, through summer, and all the way back through January. Uh, I think we're in a good spot. It's probably been the most enjoyable football camp I've ever experienced as a as a college coach. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to pay dividends on the field, but I have enjoyed going out to practice and working with these guys every single day. I enjoyed our coaching staff. I've never once gotten tired. And, uh, man, it just feels good that we're sitting here on the cusp of uh, our first game. Coach, I remember at Media Days, you kind of talking about the increased emphasis this offseason in getting into the weight room and, and really trying to rebuild this program. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, it wasn't so much about getting into the weight room. It was about putting ourselves in situations that were going to take us uh, really to places we had never been. So when the adversity does strike in the upcoming season, uh, we've been there and done that. And it's it's going to be a blip on the radar. It's not going to it's not going to make an effect on our in our entire maybe uh, the season or the game or whatever it may be. Uh, we did that as a staff. We we did that as a strength staff. Uh, everything we did around here was making ourselves very uncomfortable and having to overcome things and move forward very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, it took some time. You know, it didn't just start out where, where guys were just, you know, they were all happy about it because uh, it was some tough days and they had to make some decisions. Do I want to be here? Is this important to me? And uh, if it is, how am I going to manage it and overcome these things that I've been dealt now, Coach, your your star quarterback, Darren Granger, took an impressive step forward last season. Uh, that dual threat ability was really on full display throughout the year. He finishes with over 3,000 all-purpose yards. From your perspective, what led to that step forward in his career, and what are your expectations for him heading into this season? Well, it's just like every uh, position player, skill position player. It doesn't matter where you are. Experience, the more experience you have, the, the better uh, you, you chance you have to improve. Um, same coach is, is returning. You know, you know he had Coach Glenn, our offensive coordinator, uh, two years ago, and then we made a change or not made a change. Coach Glenn took another job uh, at Virginia Tech for whatever reason, and saw how that worked out. And uh, and he went to Coach McKnight, but this is going to be his second year under Coach McKnight. So you see the how that builds and and how it grows and the experience and just running the same offense or similar offense is is really helping. Uh, he will step forward and do a fantastic job this year. Uh, we've got a great supporting cast around him. You know, we lost some offensive linemen at, at, at one point in time over the last year. Uh, but I tell you what, we found some linemen, and uh, we we really gelled here in the last four weeks. It's uh, it's really fun to watch. Some other big losses this offseason, Coach, were in that running back room. You think of names like Tucker Gregg and Jamias Williams, who were big in the run game last year. But late last season, especially, we saw some great things out of Marcus Carroll. What makes you think he's ready to be that next RB1 for you guys? And what are maybe some other running backs you expect to emerge this upcoming season? Oh, without a doubt, you know, Marcus is going to be a, a, a phenomenal back for us. He... You know, to be honest with you, he could have been uh, the number one back a year ago. He could have been the number one back two years ago. But, you know, when you got such good backs and you kind of lean on that seniority, they've been there. They're not making mistakes. So keep them there. They're successful in, in putting out yards per carry and touchdowns. So, you know, I didn't feel like there was a necessary change. And it's hard to play three backs. 
but with those two guys going, Williams and Greg, that Marcus is going to step right in. He's going to be at the forefront of our offense. He's going to be carrying that football. He is strong and he is physical. He can pass protect. He's got great instincts in running the football. Uh, he's going to have a fine year as long as that offensive line uh, does their job up front. You know, no backs uh, greater than the offensive line. So those those guys got to do their jobs. Casey Adams is going to be a guy that uh, will step in there. He's a little bit, <clears throat> not a little bit, he's a lot different than Marcus where he has the elusive nature where Marcus is a power guy downhill. Uh, KZ is going to be a guy that's, uh, you know, like I said, he, he's going to be hard to pin up and that's going to be fantastic. I think when he came out of high school, he led the nation in, in rushing yards. So it's going to be a full display of those two this year. Coach, we certainly heard some good reports about what KZ Adams did in the spring game. So excited to see him get out there and, and play in a real game uh, in just a week. Yeah, those spring games are just what they are. They're spring games, they're shows for the fans. And uh, I don't read a lot into it. You got to do it on Saturdays in the fall for me to doggone jump on board and start stroking you on the back. So hopefully he's going to carry that on in the fall. But like I said, spring games are spring games. I don't, uh, you know, don't, don't fall for the hoopla. Hey, that's uh, that's certainly the case. You know, Coach, last season's passing game was kind of reminiscent of your 2017 team where you had Penny Hart, who was kind of that top guy, a 1,000-yard receiver, similar to a guy like Jamari Thrash a season ago. With Jamari now lost to the transfer portal, how do you expect to distribute the wealth between your receivers and tight ends this season? Yeah, you know, uh, we don't really speak about the transfer losses. Uh, they, they chose to move on, so I won't mention him. Uh, Robert Lewis is a guy that's going to make a huge impact. To be honest with you, Robert came on very strong out of the gates a year ago, became injured uh, with a hamstring injury. Otherwise, he would have probably been our, our, our top dog a year ago. Um, Takai's Cradle is going to be a guy that steps into place. Amon Green at the tight end. Chris Bird. Uh, we've added some transfers. Jakari Carter in the wide receiver position. Um, I, I think we've got a great group of skill players. Those those guys are fantastic. Uh, maybe a little bit more depth uh, at the tight end position. We have a freshman, freshman Avion, uh, that's coming. McBride coming along nicely. Uh, but we'd like to have probably one more of those guys at tight end. But I think our skill set right there on the perimeter is going to be fantastic, and we have capable tight ends of, uh, of doing well. It definitely sounds like you have a lot of exciting pieces on that offensive side of the ball. But switching to the defense, you lost defensive coordinator Nate Fuquay to Cincinnati midway through the offseason and promptly brought in Coastal Carolina's old defensive coordinator, Chad Staggs, to take over the reins of that defense. Why was he the right fit for this team, and what impact have you seen him have on this defense during his short, short time in Atlanta? Well, you know, you talk about the right fit. I, I, I have to enjoy people that I work with. I've known Chad for a long time. Uh, you have to be able to communicate well with him. So, you know, without knowing him, I don't know if he would have been the right fit, uh, to be honest with you. But I had faced him several times, uh, you know, us going up against Coastal. Uh, I thought he had a good plan. I thought the scheme was right in place. And um, and I just thought uh, we needed to be a little bit more aggressive. And I, I talked with Coach Staggs and uh, – Probably from the first conversation, I, I felt like he was the guy, and uh, it all fell into place, and we were able to bring him here. You know, Coach, when you look at this team, there's been reports that you guys are moving to a four-man front this year. You guys have generally operated out of that 3-4 base package over the past several seasons. What necessitated that shift, and who are some of the personnel on that D-line that you're most excited about heading into this season? I'm sorry, what report was the move? Uh, that you guys are moving to more of a, a four-man defensive line as opposed to that 3-4 that we've seen in years past. Who reported that? Uh, I had just seen that on online, and I know Phil Steele had mentioned that there was going to be a shift. 
Uh, don't believe everything you read. I mean, we've got personnel for that three-man front. It makes no sense to go away from it. We didn't have the ability to go recruit a whole new defense. Uh, we're not really prepared to move to the four-man front at this time. Uh, we do have some different packages, of course, but uh, I don't think uh, a whole lot will change from the three to the four-man. I mean, uh, we'll dabble in it just like we did a year ago. But, uh, you know, the pieces are what we got. We have to use them. And uh, you can't wholesale change your defense and philosophy because of the personnel that you don't have. So, Who are some of those guys on that defensive line just heading into the season? I know there's some new faces that maybe you and this staff are really excited about. Yeah, I, I think uh, Javon Dennis has got a defensive lineman that uh, is doing a really nice job. He's, he's a guy nobody talks about that plays really well for us. Uh, we've got a transfer coming in here from Louisville, Henry Bryant, that's going to man that no spot. Henry is explosive. Uh, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but, man, he's got great instinct, good skill, great hands, and he plays with a motor. Uh, so I'm excited about him. You know, we brought in Kevin Swint. Kevin Swint was from Clemson. Uh, it's going to be a great little rusher right there. Uh, can do a lot of really good things. Kevin's strong. You know, he can play down inside. Kevin can play uh, right there on the edge of the tight end position. He can do a lot of things right there. So I think those are three of the guys that you're going to see out there making some impacts for us. There's going to be some others that you'll – you'll hear from and, uh, and and they'll be making some plays as well. Coach, you mentioned Kevin Swint there and you seem absolutely loaded at the linebacker position. You bring back Jordan Venzial. You have Blake Carroll returning from an injury who was one of a high school teammate of mine who I'm fond of. You have John Trey Hunter as well. You have, seems like you have a unit that can do a lot. Has that unit allowed this defense to maybe be more multiple and do some different things from a scheme standpoint that we should expect this season? No doubt. I, I think the first thing is that the move that, uh, you know, John Trey Hunter going to the inside linebacker position position is going to give us a lot more range. I mean, he's 6'3", 6'4", he's 235 pounds, he can run, he can hit. Uh, probably the most explosive player that we have on our defense, uh, Venzial returns. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of pieces that we're probably as deep at that linebacker position that we've ever been, as we've ever been here at Georgia State. We're looking forward to playmakers, uh, looking forward to guys that can cover and also feel the run, plus rush the passer. We've got some pretty good – if you see John Trey Hunter coming there off the edge uh, and he played what we called an outside linebacker uh, position a year ago, watch him come off the edge. So you're going to see him uh, on, on some pressure situations coming up that middle a little bit. He's going to be hard to stop. Coach, the last few years when you think about this Panthers secondary, you think of guys like Quavian White and Antavius Lane, two of the best to do it. Uh, those two are now gone along with Ja'Cory Crawford. But it gives you a chance for guys like Bryce Brown and some new faces to emerge. What are you expecting from that secondary, and who are some of those faces that we should expect to see emerge this year? Yeah, I think uh, Bryce Brown is a guy that's uh, man. He's had tremendous leadership over the course of the spring and the summer, and into fall camp, he's done a really nice job. Uh, brought in a transfer in Pringle, Gavin Pringle is going to do a not really nice job uh, stepping in the other uh, corner position. Uh, our safety's right there. Jalen Tate's a guy that's been he, – he's played in situations for us in the past, but just hasn't been that main guy. Uh, and I think he's going to do a, fun, a phenomenal job. Uh, very intelligent. Jeremiah Johnson's another name that's going to stick out in that back end right there. We've had a couple pieces of the puzzle that probably nobody even knows that's been added here. Uh, that's going to be really fun to watch and see. You know, they're like, hey, where did he show up from, you know? And I, that will probably be a lot of uh, teams across the country because – the new faces, the new names that pop out there, they're going to be like, hey, he wasn't on the roster last year. No, he wasn't. Um, so we've got a, not, a lot of new instinctive players that we can fill in in that secondary. It's an exciting uh, – I think an exciting group. They're a real hunger. Uh, they're hunger-driven. Uh, they go out there and practice very hard every single day. 
Uh, they've got great, great leadership in their position coaches. Uh, so I look forward to them taking. I, I think it takes a step forward this year. You know, at, at times a year ago, uh, we were a little lapse uh, in, in some coverage situations just from uh, just from a smart standpoint, you know, maybe taking some chances when we shouldn't have. Uh, but I think we've got a very intelligent secondary that can, that can do a, a lot of great things for us. Well, we'll end with this, Coach. We know the season just starts a few days away when you face Rhode Island at home to open up the season. What is your message to the Georgia State fan base, and why should they come out and support this year's team? Oh, listen, if you go to Georgia State, if you're a Georgia State alumni or a fan, you should be in the stands. I think that should be the case for every uh, school or university. It, it's it's what it's spe- it is expected of you. Uh, but I think we have a great group of players right here. Uh, if every one of our fans had a – had an opportunity to spend a day or maybe a couple of days and getting to know our know our players and and just hearing their stories, um, hearing where they've come from and just how far they've gone and what links has taken them to get just here to Georgia State and now to do what they're doing. Then then our our, our fans would have a a newfound respect for what they do. It's going to be an exciting time here at Center Park Stadium for our fans to come out and see our home games. We've got a uh, Rhode Island. Opener right there on the 31st, which is a Thursday night. I don't know if there's anything better to do at 7.30 on a Thursday night and come out and see Georgia State play Rhode Island, the Rams, and have one hell of a night. It's going to be special. I hope it's 110 degrees like it's been the past two weeks here. Uh, I promise you I'll buy them all a beer or a Coke or or a water if they come out and stay to the end. But uh, it's going to be a, a great day to be a Panther, hopefully on that 31st and several more times throughout the course of the season. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate your time today. Wish you and your team best of luck and look forward to watching uh, your team play throughout the season. Yeah, thank you all very much. Listen, I appreciate it. Sorry it took me a little longer to get on this podcast right there. I had an unfortunate thing I had to, had to go to yesterday, but uh, always loved speaking about Georgia State and anybody covers the Sunbelt Conference. So uh, what better two guys to talk to about Sunbelt than you two? Okay, and it's always fun to have a new head coach join us on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation with Sean Elliott, and I don't know about you, but I came away feeling better about this Georgia State team than I did before this episode. Me too, for sure, and I think it's because they have their identity. They know what they want to do. They know they want to run the ball. They know they can rely on their quarterback, and they know on the defensive side of the ball, they have a lot of the similar pieces that they had last season that were very successful. So with Sean Elliott at the helm, he's a great coach. He's a great leader, and I think with this team and the personnel they have, they're going to be able to do a lot of damage. It just stinks that they're really in that east side of the conference that's very competitive week in and week out. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be more so about can they push in the fourth quarter? Can they go a little bit beyond what they've gone before? Because in the Sun Belt these days, and especially in the east, it's just harder and harder to get wins, and hopefully they can keep up with the times and maybe take a step forward than they did last season. Yeah, Kate, and I made the point just before the interview that maybe Georgia State had been affected the most by some of the new additions to the conference. I mean, you bring in teams like Old Dominion, you bring in a Marshall, you bring in a James Madison all in the East. Suddenly, those are tough games. I mean, you expect to probably beat Old Dominion at this point in that program's arc. But, Kane, they were not given any favors by being placed in that Sunbelt East. They weren't, and I think the fact that they close out the season against Marshall and James Madison losing those games by just a touchdown compared to what you saw in the beginning of the season when they were having 40 points scored on them by a Charlotte team and just having other errors and mishaps, I think it shows that at the end of the day, the core of this team, they're a competitive bunch that can stand toe-to-toe with any single team in this conference, and I think there's a lot of teams that lost a lot worse to James Madison and Marshall last season, so I feel like that's a good measuring stick as far as how they compare some of the newer additions of the conference. But now that they're kind of the veterans in the conference and they've been around for a little bit, I think it's time for them in Atlanta to maybe 
look in the mirror this offseason. They probably had their strength coach, Mike Siriano, really push them to the next limit. I think they're ready to take that leap and ready to really put themselves and supplant themselves in that conference championship conversation. It's just going to be going to be a matter of if they can execute or not. Well, Caden, you mentioned Georgia State. They finished four and eight a season ago. Their worst record since going two and ten in 2018, which was the second year under Sean Elliott. They went just three and five in Sunbelt play, which was good for a tie for fourth. This team failed to make a bowl game after appearing in three straight over the last three years. There were several solid wins, including ones over rival Georgia Southern. They also beat a pretty good Southern Miss team on the road as well. But Caden, this season will largely be remembered for kind of some of those missed chances against Charlotte, ULM, JMU, and Marshall. Those are four losses by a combined 11 points. What does Georgia State need to do this year to get back into that bowl conversation once again? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I previously mentioned. It's going to come down to the work they've put in this offseason. They have the personnel, when you look at all their position groups, really to perform at the same level they did last year. The question is, this offseason, do they put in the work in the weight room? Do they put in the work on the field, off the field? to put themselves in a position to where they get into those fourth quarters. They can push a little bit further and pull out some of those wins that were losses last season. They have great leadership with guys like Darren Granger at the helm. They have a ton of defensive guys with experience. And now they have a new strength coach that's come in. That's probably going to elevate them as well as just far as them having an edge and toughness in those fourth quarters. So I feel like with Georgia State, you look at their personnel, you look at their body of work and what they have. Physically, they're going to be able to get the job done and hang with every team. It's more so mentally from the neck up. Can they maybe put themselves in a new category, a new stratosphere as far as the elite of the conference who we've seen time and time again, like the Appalachian States, the South Alabamas recently and the Troys, who in those fourth quarters more often than not come through. Yeah, I mean, Sean Elliott, to your point, Caden, he mentioned that he he took his team to some uncomfortable places this offseason in hopes of preparing them uh, for those moments that you're speaking of. Unlike several of the contenders in the Sunbelt East, though, Caden, Georgia State has, they have no questions at the quarterback position heading into the season. Darren Granger is that guy. He ran for 734 yards a season ago and six touchdowns. He also throws for over 2,400 yards and 18 more touchdowns. Caden, in total, Granger finished last year with over 3,000 all-purpose yards for this offense. He'll have to do it this year without his top weapon from a season ago in Jamari Thrash, but Caden, I don't know about you. My money is on Granger, who we ranked as our number three quarterback back in episode 76, having a huge year down in Atlanta. Yeah, and he also completed passes completed passes at a very high rate at 58% on the season, only had seven interceptions. So he was very efficient as well in the pass game. And those 734 yards on the ground, that was a team high, which is very impressive when you look at this offensive scheme and how they're dedicated to running the ball. You lose Jamias Williams and Tucker Gregg, they're gone. Jamari Thrash is now gone, who was also that wide receiver, one who accounted for nearly half of his pass yards. The question is, how is he going to respond to that? He's this man. He's this team Superman. They put a ton on his plate last year, and he delivered. As I mentioned before in our previous episode with Darren Granger, he threw just as many pass attempts as Grayson McCall last year. He ran the ball more than any quarterback in the conference last year by far. He is the just the, the whole the soul and the heartbeat of this offense and they rely on him a ton every game they won had his fingerprints on it but he also had a fair share of great performances that resulted in losses I think we can kind of all expect him to play at this level again the question is going to be can he do that with a new supporting cast can he maybe play even better and can the team have a better record as a result can it result to more winning football I think the potential is there clearly for him he showed that last year it's going to be about how far he can take it and if he can answer those question marks with a new supporting cast 
Kane, I don't know about you, but he might certainly be the the most slept on quarterback in this conference. If you put him on one of these teams with a stellar defense that was getting wins on a weekly basis, we would probably be talking about him a lot more than we do. This Georgia State team, though, Caden, has really built their identity since Sean Elliott's arrival around a power run game. Uh, This team has rushed for north of 200 yards per game in three of the last four seasons. That exception was 2020, where they ran for just 194 yards per game. You're going to be without all-time leading rusher Tucker Gregg this year, along with his backfield duo, Jamias Jam Williams. But you are still got Marcus Carroll in the fold. He ran for 622 yards and six touchdowns last season as that number three back. Plus, you've got redshirt freshman Casey Adams, who brings kind of that elite speed and maybe that true home run ability out on the perimeter. Caden, despite the losses in this group, I'm really excited about Georgia State's running backs ahead of this season. I'm excited for them too, and I think we shouldn't overlook how major those losses are in the backfield. You talk about Tucker, Greg, and James Williams. These are guys that are the first and fourth leading rushers all time for this program. They combined for almost 4,000 yards together and 39 touchdowns. They're very big shoes to fill in that backfield, but I do think Marcus Carroll can fit those shoes and has the potential to maybe even do it better. I'm calling it now. I think this guy will be a top five rusher in the conference when the season's all said and done. That's saying a lot when you look at this position and in this conference in the sun, but I think he has a breakout season written all over him. Coach Elliott said to us in our conversation earlier that he has that running back one ability. It was kind of just sitting and waiting his turn as an underclassman and letting those guys in front of him who really played pretty flawless do their thing. But I believe that him coming to the table He kind of has the perfect combination of Tucker Gregg and Jam Williams together. He has everything Tucker didn't have from a speed and elusiveness standpoint and everything Jam didn't have from a size and power standpoint. He's more of a power back, but it sounds like Casey Adams is the real deal as well and has a very different style than Carroll, which I love about running back rooms. You know me how I feel about the Webb and McReynolds duo at South Alabama that's probably going to pop this year. I think this has the same potential as far as the differences of styles and being able to keep defenses on their toes. So I think between Adams's shiftiness and breakaway speed and what Carroll brings to the table as a powerful running back one. I think there's not going to be much of a fall off in production in this unit. And I think it even has the potential to maybe be more dynamic than it's been in the past. Now in kind of in stark contrast, Caden wide receiver could be a bit of a question mark for Georgia state this year. You know, you lose your leading receiver in Jamari thrash, who was also the Sunbelt's leading receiver last year. He goes to Louisville this off season. But if there is something to really be excited about, it's that Robert Lewis is back, uh, you know, and fully healthy. They've also got Josiah's Credle. You've got uh, Amon Green and Chris Bird at tight end. Those are guys among some of those returners. Coach Elliott brought up Jakari Carter as well, who comes to Atlanta with 13 touchdowns and over 1,200 yards to his name during his collegiate career. They probably have the pieces to get close to last year's production, Caden, but they're really going to need to establish who their true number one receiver is heading into this fall. Definitely. And the elephant in the room is obviously the Jamari Thrash loss. When you look at this entire offense, he just had an unexpected breakout season going over a thousand yards and giving seven touchdowns. He was truly one of the best in the country last year, like really out of nowhere. But when you look at it, it was really a bonus for them. We mentioned it with coach Elliott. This team has had the same style of offense for a while. And the last time somebody shined like this at the wide receiver position was in 2017 with Penny Hart. That was a solid Georgia State team that went 7-5 and five. last year's team, as we know, went 4-8. and eight. But both seasons, they threw for around 230, 240 yards. So this team's identity is going to continue to be running the ball. I just think 
that this Jamari Thrash loss on paper but maybe maybe looking a lot worse than it actually will be. I think this team's going to go back to their committee kind of style of wide receiving cores. And I think it's kind of similar to the Corey Gamage loss at Marshall. He was obviously their top dog and their number one receiver, but we know what Marshall does. They run the ball. That's what they do. And they're probably going to get more to a committee as well this year. And you talk about the buzz around Robert Lewis. It sounds like he's the real deal. And I'm going to believe that. I think this year he'll be, I think this year for the entire conference really is going to be the year of the slot receiver. And I think he has the potential to be a really good one. And when you look across the entire conference. He proved to be really reliable last year, making the most of his touches. He averaged 17 yards per catch last season. He had just one less touchdown than Jamari Thrash. So he has that big playability and he has that potential. It's just going to be about can he lead the charge? They're not going to need him to be Superman like Jamari Thrash, but they're going to need him to maybe be that leader of this group. And as they spread the wealth, they're going to need those other guys like a Jakari Carter, who you mentioned was an absolute stud at the FCS level. You have Jakaius Cradle, who's also a big body that they need on the outside, who ranked second in the team in catches last year. I think the, the, the thrash loss is a big one, but I think they're going to be able to supplant that and kind of do their thing as far as a committee and as a unit in the wide receiver room. So I don't really expect to see too much of a fall off and any of these guys to really emerge as the next thousand yard receiver because this team just isn't going to need that. Calling your shot, Caden, the uh, the year of the slot receiver, something to keep an eye on as we get set to head into the season well, Caden, in the power run game, that attack, you rely on your offensive line a lot. Uh, this Panthers team, they are losing several key pieces up front, including their right guard, Pat Bartlett, their center, Malik Sumter. They also lose Bryson Broadway at that left tackle position. Caden, but they still have Travis Glover, who we got a chance to talk to at Media Days in the fold. He's a big dude. Uh, they brought in some nice pieces as well from the transfer portal, including Titan Ferris from Central Michigan. Lamar Robinson from Norfolk State. I don't know about you, Cato, but the more I look at this unit, the less likely I feel a significant drop-off is coming. Yeah, I mean, the big losses with the all-conference players like Pat Bartlett and Malik Sumter, like you mentioned, are big losses. Those are big leadership, continuity losses, and also the production. You just Those are things you don't want to ever lose on the offensive line, and it's tough to be promising and have optimism when you lose two big guys like that who are just pivotal for your run game and your pass protection last year. But you mentioned Travis Glover is back, that big body that we met who's going to do his thing in media days. They have some intriguing transfer portal additions, like you mentioned, but I think this team's going to be able to run the ball per usual. I mean, it's what they do, and they've been able to do it year in and year out. I think last year we saw some inconsistency in stretches, whether it was in the run game, whether it was in the pass protection game, and a lot of that had to do with injuries. But I do think a lot of those injuries allowed those players to be more season heading into this year. I'm a little bit more excited about this unit, just given the culture and tradition and how they've been able to operate in the past. They've almost always had new guys come in, step up, fill those roles and be able to do their things. And just based on kind of the toughness and the edge, this team is kind of built and calloused over the offseason. I think they're going to be kind of nasty up front. So I think on paper, you could be concerned. But I think when you look at the history of this team and what they have is Travis Glover as a leader, and some of those other pieces and getting them on board and just their tradition to be able to run the ball and maybe hopefully protect a mobile quarterback and Darren Granger. I have a little bit more optimism than I think I maybe should just given what they have on paper. Let's switch sides of the ball, Caden. The success of this defensive line is a major key for Georgia State this fall. You lose Thomas Gore and Jeffrey Clark, who, you know, are both along with several of their top backups, Akeen Smith and Trey Moore, no longer with the program. But I do love these pieces they brought in to kind of plug some of those holes. Henry Bryant comes in from Louisville. He fills a huge need at nose guard. You've got Ricardo Williams and Javon Dennis, who are also going to play big roles kind of alongside Shamar McCollum and Kevin Swint, who are kind of kind of play that jack position uh, this year. 
Kane, this unit's more experienced up front, and they really do have a chance to have quite the strong defensive line this year. Yeah, it seems like depth is really the only biggest and only question mark I have that needs to get answered with this unit. I'm very curious to see what kind of front they line up in to start the season against Rhode Island. But I think so am I. Javon Dennis, <laughs> Javon Dennis, we know is going to play at one end. We had him ranked as one of our top 10 guys in the conference heading into the season. We know what to expect out of him. He's absolutely rock solid. And hopefully he gets some more scooping scores this year because that's just one of my favorite things to watch is those big man scooping scores that he seems so good at. But it sounds like there's a lot of confidence surrounding Henry Bryant filling in at that nose tackle role coming in from Louisville and that trade with Jamari Thrash along with two first round picks. I'm just kidding. That's just the transfer portal world we live in now. But Ricardo Williams also joins the team. Elliot's high on him as well. The Juco transfer, Shamar McCollum returns. So it seems like their first four or three guys are going to be solid, but I'm very more curious to see how their depth looks when those guys are on the field. When you get into those third and fourth quarters and you have to rotate, how is that defensive line going to hold up? It sounds like they have high hopes for their starting unit. The depth is more of a question. And I think it seems like on paper, they have the size and physicality to do what they have to do, but it's just, they lost a lot of players that had a lot of snaps on paper last year. They have a ton of experience that was gone, whether it's starters or backups. Just curious to see if it pays off for them as far as their transfer portal additions, and maybe some of their development of their defensive linemen throughout the program. Caden, I did text one of my sources around the Georgia State program, and I have heard that they're going to be pretty multiple on defense, kind of expecting to maybe see that 4-2-5 look, that 3-3-5. So uh, we will certainly be keeping our eyes on how Georgia State lines up uh, this season. Georgia State could certainly make a claim, though, Caden, that holistically they have the best linebacking unit in the conference. They're bringing back Jordan Venzial, who finished with 98 tackles last season. Plus, you get John Trey Hunter back, who started 10 games. You've also got Blake Carroll coming back after injury, looking to build on what was a second-team all-conference uh, performance back in 2021. Then you add Tavian Brown from Colorado State, DIC Hopkins, who is also in the running for one of the best names in the conference. Those guys are going to man that star position. Caden, it feels like this group is loaded and talented, and this unit really is going to be the key to a resurgence on defense for Georgia State this season. Yeah, I love, love, love this unit, and I think some of that ability, they're going to have to be flexible with their scheme, has a lot to do with some of the flexibility and versatility they have with this linebacker group. They only lose Jamil Muhammad, who was a solid player for them, but they have so much to work with that you're just not worried about that loss. I think between the inside and outside backers of this group, you could argue that it's the deepest in the conference when you talk about experience and versatility. Venziel is as experienced as they come. He's an all-conference guy who's led this team in tackles the last two seasons. You mentioned Blake Carroll coming back from an injury after playing at an all-conference level for the last two seasons. John Trey Hunter had an absolute breakout season last year it sounds like he's going to be the most versatile piece of this linebacking core when we talk to coach Elliott with the potential to maybe play on the outside and the inside as a run stopper as a pass rusher he would give me he gives me a little bit of Richard Jubiner vibes as far as what he's going to be able to do with versatility in this defense and then you mentioned Kevin Swint before he's a guy you can mention with the defensive lineman but you can also mention with the linebackers because he's going to be it sounds like their premier stand-up edge rushing run stopping guy that had some very very impressive production in Clemson. If you want to listen back to our transfer portal episode, where we talk about him and some other guys a bunch. I think he's going to be a potential newcomer, the breakout star on the defensive side of the ball. But I think this defensive line and especially the secondary, which we'll get to in a little bit, has a little bit more questions to answer as far as units on this defense compared to this linebacking core. But I think this linebacking unit is going to have the chance to maybe act as the glue and the connective tissue between those two units that can maybe right some of the wrongs and be steady for those two units if they ever have a little bit of drop off. So there's a ton of experience here. There's a ton of talent here. And I'm really excited to see what they do with that, how they perform 
and maybe like what pieces they can move around and what different ways they can be effective on third downs, on first downs. Just have a ton of weapons at their disposal with the linebacking unit. That episode you were referring to, Caden, episode 73, we ranked our top 10 uh, transfers into the conference. Certainly worth going back and taking a look at that as you get set for the season. Caden, in the secondary, though, you mentioned it in the interview with Coach Elliott. They're losing some guys who have been synonymous with Georgia State. I think of guys like Intavious Lane, Quavian White. Each one of those guys finished with 11 interceptions during their Georgia State career. They're tied for the program record. They'll also be without Ja'Cory Crawford, who was the team's number four tackler a season ago. This year, though, they're bringing back Bryce Brown, who we're both very high on at quarter. Uh, you also brought in several uh, transfer corners in Rance Connor from Louisville, another part of that trade for Jamari Thrash. Uh, you also bring in Gavin Pringle from Bucknell. Caden, they're also getting three-time first-team Patriot League safety Tyge Leach from Lehigh. There is good depth in this secondary, but when you lose two-time or two all-time greats, rather, it feels like Georgia State has to take at least a step back, right? Yeah, it's tough to say they won't. I mean, those are huge losses, and you mentioned them kind of standing at the top of those all-time record lists for Georgia State as far as career interceptions go. Quay White also had the record for pass breakups and was an amazing returner in his time with the Georgia State. And Antavius Lane is a guy I followed closely throughout my career. He was always one team ahead of me in the all-conference standings, and he's a guy I've admired his game from afar, and he, he's a huge loss. I would argue he's the biggest loss this entire defense just given his consistency and his big playability and big moments of big games but I'm glad coach Elliott mentioned this unit had some mental lapses and mistakes last season because given their experience they didn't quite look themselves at times last season they got torched sometimes and almost every quarterback played pretty efficiently against them they did hold teams to just 228 yards in the air per game which is fine and actually their best since 2016 when they were absolutely locked down but just a lot of question marks and a lot of positions to fill here we know that Bryce Keith Brown will lead the charge and we know he has the physical tools and the ability skill set and experience to perform at an all-conference level for this team but I love the coach said he's emerged as a verbal leader it gives me some more confidence that maybe this secondary with some new faces can rally around him and maybe lead the charge and do a little bit better maybe be a little bit more sharper mentally even if they don't have exactly the physical tools and experience that they had in the past you mentioned those Transfers like Rance Connor, Gavin Pringle, Tyge Leach, and some returners like Jalen Tate who could emerge possibly after being a backup for a couple years in this system. This group's kind of a wild card. You have some experience, some inexperience, and a kind of just a mixed bag of talent. I could very easily see them taking a step back as much as I could see them taking a step forward. So it's one of the units where I really have an eye on this team as far as a high ceiling and a high floor as well. Well, it sounds like, Caden, we're about to talk about schedule. Maybe you and I need to pull up to the opening game of the season and get our eye on that secondary. We'll have to make that decision in the in the coming days. But looking at Georgia State's schedule this fall, Vegas has their over-under for this year set at five and a half. So right on that line of getting into a bowl. This team has a huge opportunity, though, in the first three weeks of the season to make some noise with winnable games against Rhode Island, UConn, and Charlotte. And Caden, if you're this team, you have to love the sight of winnable games in the first four weeks of the season because they have not had many in the last two seasons. But those three weeks set you up for back-to-back -back games at Coastal Carolina. You come back home against Troy, both teams playing for that Sunbelt title a year ago. After your bye week in week six, you welcome Marshall to Atlanta before embarking on what I'm calling, Caden, a brutal five-game stretch that includes a trip to Lafayette followed by a Thursday night showdown just five days later in Statesboro against rival Georgia Southern. After that, you get James Madison and App State at home in back-to-back -back weeks. 
Then, Caden, you head down to LSU on November 18th to play what many consider the favorite in the SEC West this season before ending your regular season against Old Dominion. Caden, unlike in years past, this Georgia State team really needs to get off to a fast start this year, and then they need to take care of business early so that they have a chance at going bowling when you get to late November. Yeah, I really like the schedule and particularly the order of their schedule. You know, I obviously, they obviously had that rough start last season having to play South Carolina and North Carolina in the first couple of weeks. And it felt like that almost bled into the rest of their schedule moving forward. But now with three winnable games to start the season, you have to love that as a team to be able to build more momentum before that first matchup against Coastal Carolina, which is obviously a dangerous team in this conference. But when you just think of everything we talked about, the personnel, the offseason this team has had and the pieces they bring back, I just have to imagine they at least get back to a bowl game this year looking at their schedule. I think they have the capability to win every single game that they should win, whether that's their first three games, them at Old Dominion to close out the season. And I think when you look at the consistency at the quarterback position, I mean, when you look at just straight-up quarterback matchups, you have to like Darren Granger over most of the field that they're playing against. If he takes a step up and this defense can maybe perform at a higher level, I could see this team standing toe-to-toe like they did last season with Marshall, with James Madison, standing toe-to-toe maybe with App State for the first time in a while and pulling out some wins. I think this team has a high ceiling as far as what they're going to be capable to do given their personnel, given what they have up front and with their quarterback and that linebacking core. I think that can take them a long way this season. I think they can win a ton of games in the box if they can play their style of football and have their identity. So I expect this team to make a bowl game, and I would not be surprised if they're also able to knock off some of the top dogs in the conference as well. It will be fascinating to watch, and who knows? Uh, Georgia State has certainly proven over the years that they can be a giant slayer. Uh, We saw them take down Tennessee. Maybe they could take down LSU and uh, create some havoc there at the end of the college football season. Well, that'll do it for us here and our Georgia State preview on the Ferry and Smith podcast. Big thanks to Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott, as well as their assistant athletic director, Allison George, for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Ferry and Smith podcast on Monday. It'll be the start of the first game week in the Sun Belt. Really looking forward to that. We are going to make the penultimate stop of our season preview series in Norfolk, Virginia to catch up with Old Dominion head coach Ricky Ronnie to talk about the Monarchs upcoming year. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith podcast. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please consider leaving us a review or a quick five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us and the show out. We're just six days away from the official start of the Sun Belt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.